0: Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Um, How is everyone? I'm doing okay, apart from the fact that I'm so cold. Like, winter has officially come in England, which is kind of sad. Actually, it's not even winter, it's still autumn, so it's probably going to get colder. Um, But that's also good because it means Christmas is nearly here. I also love this time of year because like, just the, it just makes me happy, like the air is so crisp, and it just always smells so fresh this time of year, and there's always like, brown leaves on the floor, or on the ground outside, and it's just really nice. Also, my challenge for today, in this podcast, is to try not to say, um, because (laughs) I think I always just say, um, as like, a kind of, transition thing from one sentence to the next sentence, but I just need to stop that <laughs> because I don't like how it sounds and also I need to try to stop saying like so much, so that's my challenge for today. Um, try and count how many times <laughs> I say it because I'm sure I will not be able to do it, but yeah. Anyway, today's case takes place in South Korea and it is the missing persons case of two people, two newlyweds, actually. I don't speak Korean, so I'm very sorry if I pronounce any names wrong or names of places. I really try in these podcasts to pronounce everything correctly because I feel like that's quite important. Last week I did well because it took place, the case took place in France and I speak French, but I don't speak Korean, so I might get a few pronunciations wrong. Today we are going to be discussing the unsolved disappearance of Choi Sung-hee and John Min-gun. Choi Sung-hee and John Min-gun were a newlywed couple. They got married in November of 2015 They lived in an apartment on the 15th floor in Busan, South Korea. Busan is a large port city in the southeast of the country. And life there is slow paced and laid back. It's the ideal holiday destination as well because it is a diverse metropolitan city with a rich history and it's right next to the beach. So I'm just going to refer to the newlyweds as Miss Choi and Mr. John because most of the sources that I read referred to them as Miss Choi and Mr. John. I don't know if that's like a cultural difference. Um and that's kind of it's normal to just refer to people as like kind of more their surnames in South Korea. I know that in Korea, they put their family name before their given name. And so I think it might be just more common to refer to people as their family names. That's what most of the sources have done. So that's what I'm doing, just so everyone kind of understands. So Miss Choi, was an actress and she was quite famous in the Busan area. She taught acting at a local theatre school and she was preparing for a theatre performance at the time of her disappearance. She was 35 and some sources say that she was pregnant and in the early stages of pregnancy and that she was suffering from morning sickness at the time of the disappearances. Her husband, Mr John, ran a restaurant with... A partner or a couple of partners and he was also 35. Now let's talk about a timeline of the disappearances. So we're going to start on the 27th of May 2016. At 11pm Miss Choi visits a corner shop after finishing a drama class that she was teaching. A security camera in the lift of their apartment building captures Miss Choi that night and she is holding bags of shopping. Most of the groceries that she purchased were actually still in her car, Um, but she seems normal. There's nothing unusual about her behavior. She's just standing there waiting for the lift to take her up to her apartment, as you do in a lift. At 3 a.m. on the 28th, her husband, Mr. John, was also captured on the elevator camera. He'd been out drinking with his friends. This is the last time the couple were seen. Neither Miss Choi or Mr John were heard from until the next day on the 29th of May, when Miss Choi's co-worker called her, but her husband, Mr John, picked up the phone. He told her that Miss Choi wouldn't be able to come to work for a while. On the same day, John texted his restaurant partner, saying that he has something he needs to do and won't be in work for a while. This is very strange to me because what could you possibly have to do that, is, that would mean that you don't have to go into work for a long time? Because you need to earn money. That's like, very unusual. The next day on the 30th of May, Miss Choi sent her boss a text saying that she couldn't come to work anymore because she couldn't perform due to her condition. She said she'd been admitted to hospital and that she was sorry. She didn't say why she was in hospital, though. She also said she would no longer be able to answer any texts or calls, so he should stop trying to reach her. This text made Choi's boss concerned, as it didn't sound like her. In South Korea, there are several levels of formality that people use, and... It didn't seem that the text was written in Choi's usual style, so he just knew that the text wasn't her. The next day on the 31st of May, Choi's boss was able to get hold of Mr John, her husband. He told him that his wife had overdosed on her prescription medications and that she is in hospital. Choi did actually have a history of depression, and in the past she had tried to commit suicide by overdosing. This piece of information is actually from Reddit, so I don't know how true it is, but I do think she had a history of depression. The last time, however, that Choi picked up her medication was in March of 2016, so she hadn't picked up her prescription medication for a couple of months so it was kind of unlikely that she was a, would have been able to overdose on it. No local hospitals had any record of Choi being admitted either, so her husband was most likely lying about that. Around this time, Choi's father tried to contact the couple so that he could send them some nutritional supplements, but he couldn't reach either of them. He went to John's restaurant to try to find him, but he was told by John's business partner that he hadn't shown up for work the past couple of days. Maybe he was trying to send nutritional supplements to the couple because Choi was pregnant. Because don't you need to take like supplements when you're pregnant to be healthier? I swear that's a thing. I don't know though. I've never been pregnant and I don't know anyone pregnant so. On the 2nd of June 2016, so a couple of days later, police started to investigate the couple's disappearance. This is when they found the security footage of Miss Choi and Mr John in the lift in their apartment building. However, there is no footage of either Choi or John leaving their apartment, which is incredibly unusual because there were a total of 22 CCTV cameras in their apartment building and outside of it but they didn't find anything. The only way they could have left their apartment without being caught on a camera was down the emergency stairs and they also would have had to pass through the blind spots of the CCTV cameras, which would have been difficult for them to do. So it's really a mystery how they left the apartment. Their car was also still parked in the apartment garage and the groceries that Troy had picked up um, on her way home from work were still inside the car. Their dog was also still in the apartment and there was dog poo everywhere. He hadn't been fed for days and the dog had also swallowed some chicken bones. I'm assuming that the bones were left on dirty dishes in the kitchen. Choi was good at taking care of her dog, so if she had left, she would have taken the dog with her because she had like a bond with it. From the apartment, half of their underwear, some summer clothes, their passports and a laptop was missing from the apartment and there were no signs of a struggle. Police also looked at footage from dashcam cameras, which are quite popular in Korea um of people's cars but there was no sign of the couple on those either police also looked at the mobile phone records of the couple and they found that at 9 a.m. on the 2nd of June John was in Gijang County in Busan and at 10 a.m. Choi's phone was in Cheonho-dong I hope I'm saying that right. I'm probably not though. In Seoul, which is where her parents lived. So their phones were 202 miles or 324 kilometers away from each other. Um because that's the dis- the distance between Seoul and Busan, which is strange. The couple's mobile phones, credit and debit cards, and emails have not ever been used since they went missing. They had savings of $27,000 in their bank account, which have not been touched. Police have found no leads apart from the fact that many people kept bringing up one of John's ex girlfriends. John's friends told police that he had a separate phone to talk to his ex-girlfriend, Yoon. Some sources also call her Miss Chang, but I'm going to call her Yoon. John and Yoon dated in high school, but split up before they went to university. They each married other people, and Yoon moved to Norway with her second husband. Their breakup was mostly due to the fact that Yoon's family didn't approve of their relationship. It seems that they still had quite a tense and toxic relationship, even after the breakup. And Yoon had divorced her first husband and then she married again and her daughter died. Um, we don't know how or why she died, though. She apparently blames John for ruining her life and for all of the bad luck in her life. Yoon's brother, however, claims that it was John who consistently threatened Yoon. He claims that John threatened to do something bad to Yoon if she kept refusing to see him, and that she was the one who ended their affair around October 2015. So, we really don't know what to believe when it comes to John and Yoon. Obviously, they did still have some sort of relationship, probably a romantic relationship, but we don't know. The kind of dynamics in the relationship, obviously, because we can't really talk to either of them about the relationship. Although Noon was living in Norway, she visited Korea with her second husband just before the couple went missing. And she left just before the police investigation, which was two weeks before she had originally planned to leave. Yoon also borrowed 10 million won from her parents before the trip. If you want it in dollars, then it's $8,979. And in pounds, it's 6,233. So that's quite a lot of money that she's borrowing from her parents. And she told them that it was to travel across Africa, which is random. And she only used cash while she was in South Korea. She also didn't contact friends or family to tell them that she was in the country. This is all incredibly suspicious. She was obviously trying to keep her visit to Korea on the down low, and she was obviously trying not to leave a paper trail. Many sources say that Yoon was tormenting John and Choi. South Korean authorities asked for help from Interpol, and Interpol added Yoon to their wanted list. Yoon hired a lawyer and she was arrested by Norwegian police in late 2017, but she was released as there is no real evidence linking Yoon to the disappearance of John and Choi. It has been hard for police to prove the charges against her. It's the perfect crime, no one saw anything, there is no CCTV footage or anything, if it was Yoon, obviously she left no paper trail. It's obvious to me that the couple, or at least Choi, didn't leave of her own volition because, I mean, first of all she left her dog and obviously she was quite attached to her dog, um... All those texts, which didn't sound like her. Obviously, if someone else is sending texts from your phone, then that means that you are probably in some kind of trouble. And their clothes were left. They left all of their money, their jobs. I just, they definitely didn't run away. I think that they were taken. I think the fact that they were never seen leaving their apartments and security cameras didn't capture them leaving also means that someone was trying to avoid being seen. So I think that shows that they were taken. I was talking to my mum about the case because my mum is also interested in true crime. And she came up with a really horrifying theory. I can't believe this is the first thing that came to her head. She said to me that maybe they were chopped up and then put in bags and taken out of the building by people, which is horrifying to me. I didn't even think of that, but um, that is one theory for you. (laughs) So... Now we're going to talk about my theories and I have two main theories to share with you. So my first one is that Yoon murdered them both. She could have been waiting for the couple to come home in their apartment and murdered them, knowing that the apartment would be a mess by the time anyone checked it. And it would have made it harder for the police to investigate in their apartment. She did seem to have an unhealthy relationship with John And she was definitely in Korea at the time of the disappearances. However, how is there no CCTV footage and no evidence? Like I said, it has to be the perfect crime. And how could she have done it without being seen? How did she go up to their apartment without being seen by anyone? No CCTV cameras, no dashcam, cameras on people's cars, like nothing. That's very hard. I reckon she would have had help from her second husband. Um, And I think maybe she killed Choi first and then kept John alive, maybe. And that's how he answered the phone. He answered Choi's phone and then maybe she murdered John afterwards. Um, That is one theory. The next theory is that John planned to murder his wife and run away with Yoon. He still had contact with Yoon on a separate phone, which is very incriminating for him. And people initially were able to contact him, but not Choi. Obviously, like I said, he was, uh, he was answering Choi's phone. So he definitely seems very suspicious in this. However, if he did run away with Yoon, then where is he? We don't know where he could possibly be um we haven't like there's been no sightings of him we he hasn't used his savings he never returned to work he just disappeared into thin air so if he did do it then where would he be maybe he ran away to Norway with Yoon maybe he's in Norway anyway that is all the information I have for you today, I have to say it was incredibly difficult um, researching this case because a lot of the sources were translated from Korean and obviously when you're translating from a different language into English, it's not going to be, there can't be a direct translation so some of it didn't really make sense so it was kind of hard to research this case but I think I got a lot of the information accurate I always try to make my podcasts as accurate as possible another thing I want to add is that I made an actual Instagram account for this podcast specifically and it's called the it gets worse podcast so just search into Instagram that the name of the podcast and you'll find it um so if you want to like have updates on the podcast then go and follow that if you want to know more about me then follow my account which will be linked down below um and definitely dm me your thoughts on this case DMing me, I always say, is the easiest way to contact me, so definitely DM me, and if you have any theories or any information I missed, then DM me. Thank you to everyone listening. Please leave a review and a rating of this podcast if you can, that would be very helpful to me, and subscribe for more, I post a podcast every Wednesday. I know I didn't reach my goal of not saying like or um in this podcast, but I think I'm getting better. What do you all think? Anyway, thank you all for listening. I'll see you next Wednesday. I think it's kind of funny that I always say see you next Wednesday because I'm not actually going to see you because this is a podcast. Anyway, this has been one of my favourite episodes. Again, thank you everyone for listening. Bye!